Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Pastor Antoine continues in our new series, Beyond. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor Antoine Lester. Heard recently um, the lie that launches a thousand sins is the belief that God is not a good father. The lie that launches a thousand sins is when we stop believing that God is good. And so when, when we stop believing that God is good, we have a tendency to try to do good on our own, making things worse. Um, so uh, oftentimes we have to learn how to fight um, the lie that God does not care for and about you. God cares for us. But when we believe, what's going on with the mic? What? Um, when we believe the lie that God is not good, we seek relief from broken places. And at the root of those feelings is unworthiness. We don't feel, un- we feel unworthy and we feel unloved. And uh, this is why we hold on to temporary things that only give us temporary relief when eternity is at our fingertips. And so um, Paul spends the first three chapters reminding the people of who God is. So when, when we were reading Ephesians, I'm already in the message, but when we, when we were reading Ephesians, the first two chapters is he, that Paul is giving us a reminder of who Christ is because once we understand who he is, we understand who we are in him. So he says, blessed, that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he says, There's blessed, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. I want you to just think about that for a moment, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven. See, uh, you really understood that, Taiwan. We will shout with that. We are blessed literally with every blessing in heaven. Everything is at our fingertips. Because we no longer just are temporary beings. We serve an eternal God. And so he says we are chosen by God before the foundations of the world. So he chose us in spite of us. He knew that we were going to be sometime. He knew that we will argue with ourselves when nobody's present. He knew that and still chose us. We are predestined by God for adoption. Now, uh, when um, this is interesting because you can't choose your family that you're born into. But when you are adopted, it's by choice. So he chooses us um, and he adopts us. And then we are redeemed through his precious blood. Now, redemption is a monster for our faith because redemption is a gift. So 
Man, and then he says, we are heirs, obtaining an inheritance when we heard the word of truth. And now we live to the praise of his glory. We were made alive, though we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And the whole Pentecostal church today says, amen. amen. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We God's workmanship. We are reconciled to God in one body. So that is no longer Jews or Gentiles, but simply Christians having equal access to the Father. Equal access to the Father. Um, when um, you think of reconcile, uh, come here, Chris, real quick. I just want to demonstrate this. Yep, I know, but you're the closest to me. Uh, come on here, come here, real quick. So, oftentimes when we think of reconciliation, this is how there's a there's a, there's a conflict um, between me and him. So, when we think of reconciliation, this is what we think of. But true reconciliation is this. The difference is this still has space between us. Reconciliation is this. One body. Thank you. So, so when he says we are reconciled one to another, he's saying there's no space between us. Now, you don't have to be uh, smart to figure out that division sails. Division is, listen, I have been getting so many text messages about voting. I want to be spiteful and not vote. And everything that I'm seeing is not reconciliating, reconciliation. It's, it's, it's drawing a line in the sand. If you vote this way, then you will stop this. And then you get another one. Listen, sir, this is the most important election of your lifetime. Well, how many times are you going to say that before I stop listening? But there is a, there's something is happening in terms of division and, and the world, my brother, um, hey, what the world, uh, I, I'm cool with the world being divided. I got issues when it's the church. See, one person can walk into a room alone and have a hundred disagreements with themselves. Now, when you bring people into the room, my God, I don't even have to say anything else because you start thinking about disagreements that you're having in your family, your work right now because disagreements are part of life. But is it? Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, now, anytime you see therefore, uh, there's something that was said prior to. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 3. And so Paul says, therefore, I, the prison of the Lord. Now, Paul is writing this while in jail, so he means it figuratively and literally. I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you. 
Some translations say, I beg you. Because of what you've learned, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 3, that's why I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Not in my notes, but write this down for, you, for all of us, for all our benefits. We are called to live a life that expresses gratitude to God for salvation. That's why our posture is always a posture of thanksgiving. Why? Because verses chapter 1 and 2 makes us realize that we didn't do anything to earn God's favor. So we're all in the same boat. So the reason why we extend grace is because God gave grace. Come on. Y'all help me preach. I'm about to give you a mic. Uh, this is my translation. Uh, we can put up with one another because we are grateful to be a part of God's family. And when we know that we barely got in, that's why I don't, I, man, listen, when I was young in the faith, I'm not going to lie. I was just the most judgmental person you would meet. You just need to stop. But I have grown up in maturity and realized there's still stuff I've been struggling with since 1996. But the thanksgiving, being thankful, um, and, and, and the worth of the call that we've received is because of the weight that Christ has in our lives. So we can put up with one another. I want you to look at somebody and say, I can put up with you because you put up with me. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Mm-hmm. I just want I just want to stay right there. And listen, um, husbands, um, don't say it with too much conviction. Just I'm just gonna help you out. And then he says, therefore, I, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. With what? And this is this right here, Taiwan, this is right here. So I want you to walk worthy of the call with all humility. <laughs> Just going to drop the mic right there. With all humility and gentleness. Oh, Lord, help us. With patience. Yeah. Bearing with one another in love. Now, whoo. Mm. Ah. With all humility. You're right. Yeah. You're right. That person is dot, dot, dot. And you want to tell them good. Humility is depending on God's mercy. Not worried about position or power. Humility is the posture of whatever you want me to do. Vince, that's hard, Reverend. Gentleness is power restrained. Uh, I am a struggling golfer. And um, I, I see, when I played football, I had this thing that because of my size, Everybody thought I was powerful, or at least I should be. 
<laughs> now, I am, so I don't know why y'all laughing the way you're laughing. Um, but I knew, Chris, I knew early that I wasn't going to the NFL. I, I didn't fool myself. I didn't try to hype myself up. I knew that at any given time, um, I could give you a little bit, and that's about it. So when I started playing golf, I thought that the power was in how hard I swung until I saw this 87-year-old man. And oftentimes, if you play a single, if you go out there by yourself, um, they will try to uh, connect you with someone else. And so sometimes when I would go out there, I would have, um, that's when I was in business for myself, and I would, I would go during the day. And, I mean, it was, man, it was good old days. <laughs> I haven't been golfing in now and since I started pastoring. Um, anywho, that's neither here nor there. Um, but. So I went with this guy, and man, I, I, this is what I was doing. And I would just, not try to kill it. And um, it would go that way. And not this way, it would go that way. And he just shook his head. And the old guy, literally, this is true story. Not that everything I said was false prior to this, but you catch what I'm saying. All right, so the guy literally went up there. And he said, hey, and there's an etiquette. So he watched me a few more times and said, it's not how hard you hit the ball. The problem with gentleness is that when you exhibit gentleness, people see it as weakness. And so, um, but gentleness is literally power restrained. I can cut your throat, but I choose not to. <laughs> that was like, do not use this clip. That was, pastor cuts people. No, that's not. So gentleness is power restrained. Then he says patience. Now, that's 98% of us is now off the bus. Um, humility, okay, it's, you know, I get it, yes, and I, power restrained. But we are the most impatient people ever. We now think two-minute videos are too long. Patience. And that word patience here, Tiffany, means slow in avenging, avenging wrong or retaliating. I'm slow. No, no, I'm, I'm being patient with you. Um, and then it says bearing with one another in love. Um, the, new, the NLT says making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So when he says, uh, bearing with one another in love, it's making allowances for the other person's faults. Yeah. And here's the good news. Because you're here, now you're responsible. It involves bearing with one another's weaknesses 
and not ceasing to love. I see your weakness and still love you in spite of it. Even when your weaknesses offend me. John Stott puts it this way. Mutual tolerance. I tolerate, you know, your exaggerations. You know, we, now we say missteps or mistakes. Back in my day, we just called them straight out lies. But you misspoke. <laughs> so there's a, there's a mutual tolerance there. And so this is, and this is what's crazy. Remember, he says, walk. I urge you to walk what? Worthy. You understand the gravity of the call. You realize that you have not, we have not earned it. And so because it's been stowed upon us, it's a gift. Walk worthy of the gift. And here's how you do it. You wrap humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearance. You stir it up and you take a sip of all of it. And then he says, make every, verse number three, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Now, this is interesting to me because he didn't say create unity. He says, keep it. If we are in the body of Christ, we have unity and it's up for us to keep it. Make every effort to keep. Now, let's talk to relationships. You know, you got two people living in a box. And they live in a box, and they bring all the garbage to the box. Some garbage you see, some garbage you don't. But they bring the same, they bring different garbage to the box. Now, in the effort to keep peace, somebody just heard, I always have to compromise. See, so if he acts the fool, I'm supposed to be the one just to keep the peace. Well, let's, let's do hierarchy. Let's do different types of relationships. Oftentimes, whether it's the job, whether it's the church, whatever relationship it is, he instructs us to make every effort. So uh, sometimes we got to repeat ourselves. Sometimes, sometimes, Times it ain't what being said is what's being heard. And that's what you bring to the table. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So he says, uh, so that's why Paul deals with chapter one, chapter two, and now he's stuck in chapter three. And now we, well, what chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, it's because he's trying to get our doctrine right, our theology right, because you always do what you believe. So if your doctrine, how you believe, how you think about God is off, we will not maintain unity because unity is not uniformity, but it's being unified for purpose. Let me just build my case, okay? Some of you like, know about that, Reverend. All right. Um, first number four, there is one body. One body. One spirit. 
Just as you were called to one hope at your calling, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You see this theme of oneness? One God and Father all who is above all and through all and in all. So, Bree, what that, what that does is it brings us all under this local church. Now, he's talking about the global church. He's, he's also talking about the local church in Ephesus. He's saying that we're all one body. Now, here's the thing. Um, okay. I'm going to do that in a minute. So, um, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Listen, your calling is not for you. Your gifting is not for you. It's for the body. Now, everybody do like this. See your hands? Yeah. Your hands are not smelling. That's the nose job. Right? Right? Every part of our body has a purpose. I don't look at my body and say, hmm, I wonder who I can do without. No, I want all my parts. I want every, every. I don't want to lose a toenail without considerations. Because the body, every member of the body matters. So if um, I asked Rob to come up here and I banged his hand on, uh, with a hammer, his mouth going to say, ouch. <laughs> now, I just, hit the, I just hit his hand. What does his mouth have to do with it? His mouth is expressing the pain felt in the hand. But before the mouth says, ouch, the brain says something just happened. And now the brain is like sending signals like, yeah, okay, so at the, at the impact of his hand, there's a bruise. It's affecting the entire body. Wake up one day and your hands don't show up. Are you going to be looking for like, yo, I don't have my hands. That's why it's important for the body but see, we live in a culture where everybody's so individualized. And they start thinking that they don't matter to the body. That's why Paul had to deal with Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, and Ephesians chapter 3 because he was trying to come against the individualism that's also not only in the world but in the church. We need the body to be functioning. Everybody, every member need to be functioning and mature. <laughs> because, listen, if, if a kid goes from, <laughs> if a kid goes to bed at night and he's like, I don't know, 2-1, two, two feet, one inch. And this is, please, this is an analogy that I'm just literally coming up with at this moment. So we don't know how this is going to end. Um, and then he wakes up and he's 6'2". That's a problem. <laughs> his body grew up, but his brain didn't. So what happens is there are oftentimes the challenge is that the body has to grow together. Because if one part of the body outgrows the other, so what happens, he's dealing with the maturing of the saints. And the last time I checked, growth 
Sometimes the biggest gift that we can give our children is the gift of maturing them in the area they complain about. I can't wait till I get my own place. Brother, me either. (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) I am praying for that day. You have no idea when I held you in my arms. I was literally saying 18 years, you're out of my house. I love you. I love you. And so when our children begin to stretch out, begin to think, they know what stuff costs. Listen, I love you. I remember when Justin was looking for his apartment. Now, he had an idea. But when he starts seeing those rates and then the deposit for electricity, now you know why dad was like, turn it off. Yeah, turn turn shut everything down. I'm about to cut the power off at the breaker. Because maturity has a way of revealing responsibility. So he says, there's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope at your calling, we, he saved us. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to feel all things. And he himself gave to some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. For what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. To build up the body of Christ. Until what? We all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then, everybody say then. We will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. One of the biggest challenges in pastoring in the 21st century is self-idolatry. Because self-idolatry is when you put yourself in the center of everything. You hear what he said about me? Bruh, I'm reading the text. I ain't say it, he did. There is an opportunity that we all have when we hear the word of God. That's to respond to it. Now, for some of us, um, this is, we we don't know Jesus. And so there's going to be an appeal to get to know Jesus. Then for some of us, we don't have a church home. So there'll be an appeal to have a church home. Why want a church home? Because you need to be placed in the body. You don't see thumbs just roaming. You don't just walk them all and be like, man, I, I like that thumb better. It, it needs to be placed in a body. So you need, <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. So, so this, is, this is the thing. So some of us, it, it's being connected uh, to the local church. For others, it's need to be, we need to be connected to ministry. Because remember, he gave apostles, evangelists, for what? For the work of ministry. 
Here's what we confuse the work of ministry. We confuse the work of ministry to their ministry. It's the body of Christ. So whether you're a preacher, whether you're a church planner, whether you're an evangelist, it's all for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. There is no solos in the body of Christ. I'm right now, I'm not really connected to a church because, you know, what I can do, I have equal access to the Father. Yes, you do. But you have to be matured in the faith. How? It's the body. It's the body. Verse number 15. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head. Christ. From him. Everybody say from him. The whole body. Say the whole body. Fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Can we just say that together? If you don't mind, please stand for the reading of God's word. We want to say this as a family together because what we're just demonstrating now is the whole body. Let's read together. From him, the whole body. Thank you. You may be seated. By the proper, proper working of each individual part. I just want you to think about yourself for a second. Am I doing my part? From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. One of the hardest things in any context at any time, is to get people on the same page and to keep them there. Sometimes we can get you on the same page, but it's hard to keep you there. Whether it's a large corporation or a couple of people, it's hard because we are all divided by types of barriers and differences. Race, gender, age, context, culture, political persuasions. I mean, I even get a headache thinking about it. That, 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 um, but what we're seeing in this particular set of scriptures, unity is a byproduct or the result of being in Christ. So conflict is a part of human nature, but it's Christ that unifies us and propels us forward. And so I'm going to show you this graphic. Now, a couple, for several weeks, we've been talking about changing in behavior. Now, now, I'm not necessarily talking about um, behavior modification, but this is from Peter um, Cazaro's uh, Emotional Healthy Leaders. And okay, so here's what was just pronounced with us, uh, unity. So now we have an awareness. Usually what happens when awareness comes, you start to see it. You either see unity or you see disunity. But God brings it uh, an awareness to us all. 
And then, then, we, then there's the pondering. It's like, what do you want to do with that? So uh, many of us don't have the spirit of firefighters, which means you see fire, you run into it. Many of us are like, man, I got too much drama. I, I can't, I, I, don't have, I don't have the space for this. And so what happens, bros and sisters, that God brings an awareness to us. Now, let's just personalize it for a minute. Um, uh, maybe you're trying to lose weight. Maybe you're trying to get your money together. Something sparks it, and you start to see it. And, and so awareness, and then you ponder the idea. Because if your money is messed up, um, Here's what usually happens. Hey, a group of us are going to the movies, and then we're going to hang out and blah, blah, blah. And your money's like, uh-uh, not us. No, sir. No, sir. And so then what happens is um, you get a notification that the bill is due. It's already the first. Oh, my God. So, so, this, so what happens, the awareness begins to hover around you. You ponder. And then the value statement that you make, like when, as it relates to your money, I gotta get my money together if I'm gonna live. That's a value statement, but no action was taken. You're a little further down the road because now you're seeing a direct correlation of freedom and imprisonment. If I, if I get this together, I may be able to share in some freedoms like going to the movie. So we value it. Here's what happens. There's a big gap between changing your life to accomplish it, thinking about it, and actually doing it. And that's the action behavioral gap. Now, we usually stay in this gap for a very long time. Oftentimes, we call it the bottom. Now, in terms of the financial analogy, things begin to happen that we have to change. Remember, we became aware of it. We're thinking about it. We made a value statement concerning it, but we still didn't do anything. Now, something happens that we have to address it. We have to change because the pressure surrounding it is engulfing us. It's suffocating. And so, you know, if you are a non-confrontational person, um, you can keep people at odds and you can run from it, but all of a sudden the person now is like in your face calling you out, David. Israel, you can no longer hide. The Holy Spirit is working in all of it. But to get to three to four, to look at self. Because once you get to number four, you begin to reprioritize things so that you can accomplish the goal. But before then, you're just talking. So before we take the action step, and I believe the Holy Spirit is in all of this, and then once you hit number four, you begin now, yeah, it's... You know, you cut the cable cord, right? Financially, you cut the cord. It was a hundred and some dollars. 
a month, and you're like, you know what, I, I, this is too much. But now you got 17 streaming services. So now when you start looking at your behavior, you say, I need to cut this out. Because now you're reprioritizing your life around a goal. And then you own the goal. Hey, um, a group of us, we're going to Crowder's Mountain and we're going to be hiking and then picnicking and we're going to be doing all this crazy stuff and then we're going to go to the mall and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, man, I, I got to really focus on my goals, man. I can't afford it right now. You start owning it. And your behavior begins to change. And then all of a sudden, once you start making these small changes, uh, again, this is, this is not behavioral modification. This is literally walking in the spirit, walking in step with the spirit and bringing awareness to it. Why am I bringing that up? Because once God makes you aware of what unity looks like, you're going to start seeing unity and also see disunity. And so if we want to change, we have to begin making value statements concerning it. But more importantly, we got to put our money where our mouth is, figuratively. We got to walk in unity because Paul gives us requirements, you know, humility, gentleness. He says humility, gentleness. Um, what was the others? Um, humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with, with one another in love. And so now... He says, make every effort to keep unity. So this is broad thinking. I just want you to think for a moment of what's been hovering that you know you need to change. So you think about it for a moment. Don't let this moment pass. There are things that has been brought to our awareness and we've been thinking about, no matter what it is. And so here's the biggest challenge with um, changing behavior is confronting it. Because there's a helplessness feel that, that's connected to it. Anybody ever try to lose weight? Absolutely. So what happens is it's so hard because you're unlearning all the behavior that got you there. That's why we need the Spirit of God to work in us. Because remember this. He says... From him, the whole body fitted and knitted together for every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. I want to contribute to the body of Christ, which means I need to be properly working. And so why not just for my own individual benefit, but the whole body? body when you're at your optimum whatever that is the whole body benefits and that's what he says so we're going to end today with the prayer that Jesus prayed John 17 and verse 20 so I want you to be hovering put the graphic up real quick I want you to be hovering around this what is God bringing awareness to me about me? It could be emotional. It could be physically, whatever it is. We want to lean into that just for a brief moment. And then um, what's, what's the value behind 
letting that person go or getting my finances together or getting my health. There's a value that we speak about. And then how are we going to reprioritize? We'll leave, I'll leave you with this. John chapter 17, verse 20. This is prayer that is one of the longest recorded prayers that Jesus prayed. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. I want you to see this. Jesus hanging out with the 12. Judas dies. They raise up another. Death, Pentecost come. Speak the word. People are converted. That's in Jerusalem. Judea. And then people, around about Acts chapter 7, 8, people are scattered because persecution comes. Once you see this, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. So the obedience of the apostles, the moving of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 8, scattered. You got the, the, uh, the eunuch, the Egyptian eunuch, Philip, um, shares the gospel with him, baptizes him. He goes to Africa. So I want you to see this. Because of their obedience, this church exists. Because of their obedience, you and I heard the word of God. And we responded to the word of God. So no prayer that Jesus prayed falls. We are the results of the obedience and the prayed prayer of Christ. Then he says, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. That concludes this week's message. If you were blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.